Hey, I got a question. This is the big question, though, uh, this morning. How many of you, by show of hands, already have your Christmas stuff down and put away? Raise your hand, you faithful people. Y'all are good people. You know, listen, where I'm from, it's kind of a cool thing to leave at least your Christmas lights up all year long, okay? So we can make that a Charlotte thing. I mean, we can make that a first, like that's the sign that you're a part of First Charlotte or something like that. So yeah, you know, over the past several weeks, it's funny how Christmas, it comes early and earlier every year, it seems like. It's, it's, it's such a big holiday and it's becoming bigger and bigger um, in our culture. It's just, it's, it's a fun time, a unique time, and there's all the fun things that come around it and so forth, the foods, the movies, uh, but all, all the stuff that takes place. But on December 25th, on Christmas, pretty much that day, it's over. Like the Christmas music goes away, the movies stop. I mean, nobody watches Home Alone in, in March. It all, it all kind of stops. And, and, and the food, man, that's the hard part. The food stops too. You know, like if you're eating peanut butters and peanut butter brittle and uh, fruitcake still today, you got problems, man. We, we move on. We, we move on from, from the story. We, life goes on and we, we come to the new year and we come to planning and we got to lose all the weight that we gained in the past couple of weeks and stuff. You know, we, 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 we move on. You know, it's interesting the way that the, the story is told of Jesus, so do the gospel writers. I mean, each gospel writer in his own way kind of touches on the birth of Jesus. Some just give a very small amount. Uh, Luke spends a whole lot more time telling the story. But, but all of them immediately move on and fast forward to the ministry of Jesus. And so we have this big gap from the birth of a Jesus, which is given some attention. And then almost 30 years pass by until we see Jesus again on the scene. And it's the ministry part. They, they move on from the birth and they, they move straight to the ministry, all except for for one. There's one story that we have from Jesus's middle life, I guess, his, his young life, his teenage years. And I want to draw your attention to that. It's a unique story. Many of you are probably very familiar with it. We find it in Luke chapter 2. And I want you to draw your attention to verse 41 this morning, the story of Jesus when he was 12 years old. His parents and their family went to the temple down in Jerusalem. And uh, we see some astonishing things about Jesus. Stand in, in honor of God's word, if you would. Luke chapter 2, verse 40, 41. Now his parents uh, went to Jerusalem every year um, at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom, just like they'd always done. And when the feast ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, and when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers and listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, to him and moms, this is a really sweet way to respond to this moment. Son, why have you treated me like this? And uh, behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And 
He went down with them and he came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and found favor with God and man. You can be seated. This is an astonishing story. It's astonishing for a number of reasons. Uh, One, it's the only really story we have of Jesus' kid life and early teenage life, kind of preteen life. We, We find it astonishing that he's at the temple and he's teaching scribes, people that know the scriptures. I mean, he's telling them what it says. He's just explaining it to it. Why? Because he wrote it. And so it's a unique thing to see a 12-year-old boy teaching men astonishing people. His parents come back and they're confused by the whole thing. And it says Mary treasured these things up in his heart. And then we see kind of the behavior of Jesus moving forward. He went back with his parents. He submitted to their leadership as mom and dad. And then it says this statement, increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. And man, astonishing thing about Jesus. But what I found most astonishing is that Mary and Joseph lost the Son of God. I mean, you have one job, Mary and Joseph. You had an angel visit you, tell you how special this child is. And you travel a day and don't even know he's with you or not with you. This is just this is astounding. I mean, what, what, what must it have been like when, when Mary and Joseph realized, I mean, I mean they're a day's journey. They're, they're done for the day of, of journeying. They're, they're setting up camp or checking into the hotel and kind of going around. And I'm sure they have more children. Obviously, they have more children by this point in time. But this is your oldest. And this, he's 12 years old. He's also at an age where, you know, moms and dads, you kind of start relying upon that older kid to kind of help corral the others and, and so forth and so on. So I would imagine the day's been mass chaos, and they're not really sure why. The kids are so crazy, why they're so fighting. Well, it's probably because Jesus is not there. But they don't know that. Maybe they didn't think about it because they, Jesus never had a problem with Jesus. There was never an attitude. There was never a wandering and off. There was ne- I mean, wouldn't you hate to be the brother or sister of Jesus growing up? Why can't you be more like your brother? And so maybe, they, maybe that was that, that. They never really worried about him because he was always like right in on time. He was always perfect. He was always his room cleaned. He was always, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Thank you. Please. All that kind of stuff. He was a just well-behaved kid, obviously. But they lose him. They, they don't just look like your kids are special and my kids are special, but this kid's really special. He's given to you by God and you've lost him. You know, I don't I want to focus on that this morning. I don't normally title my sermons, but this morning the title of the message is The Danger of Losing Jesus. Because in a way, I think that if we're not careful, if we're not cautious, and to be honest with you, in all of our lives, somewhat frequently, frequently, we find ourselves, so to speak, in the same position that Mary and Joseph did that day, losing Jesus. So I have some questions about this story, this situation, and and place that upon our lives and ask the questions of our own lives. The first question is this, what was lost? I think that's a really important question. Some of you are kind of cringing right now when I talk about losing Jesus because our faith background, our understanding of Scripture, a fundamental doctrine of 
The gospel is that salvation is secure and eternal, that once you are saved, you are always saved. And so now you're telling me that we can lose Jesus, or you're asking the question, can we lose Jesus? I, I want to note very carefully, and I want you to understand that though Mary and Joseph lost their son, at no point in time did their relationship to their son ever change. One day without him, three days looking for him, and there was no Holy Spirit CPS or Child Protective Services or something like that that came in and said, all right, you're done. No more parenting. Your relationship is severed because you lost your child. No, that wasn't the case. At no point in time in this four-day debacle and four-day loss, four-day distance, four-day looking and searching, did Mary and Joseph ever cease to become the mother and father, the earthly mother and father of Jesus. And I want you to understand very clearly before we go any further to talk about this. When you give your life to Christ, at no point in time in your journey, no matter how far you go, no matter how bad it is, no matter how resistant you are and rebellious you are, if you've come to faith in Jesus Christ and been saved, you can go as far as you can possibly grow, but the grace of God still reaches there and your salvation is not lost. Because your salvation had nothing to do with you in the first place. You didn't earn it. You didn't gain it. There wasn't anything you did to get it. It's all 100% on Him. And so because you didn't earn it, gain it, or do anything to get it, there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. It's a secure thing. Jesus said this in, in John chapter 10, in verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. It's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I, I, I love the way that Jesus gives us this security in him, this assurance in him. When you become his sheep, when you're his child, he holds you in his hand. He's the one that puts you in his hand. And by his own nail-scarred hand, he holds you and he says the promise, no one can snatch you from my hand. And then he says, hey, and the Father who gave them also holds them in their, his hand. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. There's, there's a ceiling there of us. There's a security there in us. And do you know who no one includes? You. Not even you have the ability to run so far that God would give up your salvation. What a sweet truth and sweet doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, though their relationship did not change, the distance from their son did. Their proximity changed. And when their proximity changed, their closeness, their connection, their fellowship, their ability to hold and benefit from their son did change. And while you can't lose your salvation once you're saved, you can be very, very, very far from the source.
and the fellowship and the connection and the closeness and the abundant life and the joy and the peace and all that comes with that can feel as if we've never been saved because of the distance we've put in. And when you, when you, when you lose Jesus, when you, when you distance yourself, when you walk away, when there's, when there's the proximity to him is pushed back, you lack the power that you had. The closer you are to him, the nearer you are to the source of the power. The more the power flows through you, the more he works in you and through you. And when you drift, you, you miss, you don't experience that as much. The power of prayer and the experience of prayer and the prayer life that you had is, is destroyed because you're further and further and further away. And though, though you cannot lose your relationship with him, you can lose your fellowship and your closeness to him. And so that was what was lost here. Who lost him? Well, the story is pretty clear on who lost him. It was, it was Mary and Joseph, mom and dad, who lost him. The people closest to him lost him. From, from day one, from preconception, they were told they had this duty, this job. They were given this gift of Jesus and they were to raise this child. No one knew Jesus more than Mary and Joseph. No one had done more for Jesus than Mary and Joseph. No one knew everything about him like Mary and Joseph did. They were the closest one to him and yet they were the ones that, that lost him. Mom and dad, the closest to him, lost him. You know, there was a season of our life that it was like a weekly thing that I lost our kids. I mean, it, would, it, was, it was just bad. I, I don't know why. Just, they, they got feet of their own. They began to walk and they began to wander and all that. Kind of stuff. And I'll never forget one, one experience that we had. It was about this time of year, numerous years ago, and we were at the mall. Um, and in the mall was the store Old Navy. And we like Old Navy. And so we were at Old Navy and uh, there was shopping taking place. And it was my responsibility to, to kind of keep eyes on the kids which is a bad decision, but it's also me. So it, I, it was my responsibility. Kyla was at the cash register. She's getting stunned, comes to me. You got the kids? Well, yes, I do. Here's Hudson. Here's Hadley. Where's Hayden? He's not there. Well, I mean, this has happened before. I mean, where is he? He's probably just right over there. So I, no big deal. I go over there. He's not over there. Huh. And he's not over there. And Kyla begins to see the look on my face. I don't have a clue where this kid is. And so we begin in our own moment to begin backtrapping our steps and kind of going where throughout the store, looking through different things. I mean, we've done this before and we've done this before with this kid. So we're like pulling clothes racks back and seeing if he's hiding in there and all that kind of stuff. He's not in there either. And at that moment, we begin to really freak out because the door to the mall, the mall is really crazy and it's, it's right there. And we were standing right there next to the door. So the likelihood that he went out that door and went left or right is, is very likely. So I, 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 I'm going to go check. Maybe he didn't go that far. Maybe this test happened. So I go down and I walk down and I walk back and I look a little bit in other stores and I, I can't find him. I'm walking back and I'm thinking, okay, it's time. It's time to put the Amber Alert out. But I don't want to say that right now because oh, she's going to kill me. 
And so I walk back in, and I don't have him, and she doesn't have him. And we have this look on her face, and I am in so much trouble right now. But the most important thing is I don't know where my kid is, and I'm scared to death about this. I mean, what if someone took him? What if, what if, what is he thinking right now? What if he's gotten lost? What, what if this is an all-day thing? What if we don't ever see him again? All these things begin to race through my mind. And so I'm walking, I'm walking in the store. Um, closer to them. The, the manager's been involved a little bit. There's other people that notice something's going on here. And as I'm walking to the right where the cash registers are, I catch something out of the corner of my eye where the mannequins are. <laughs> I have these mannequins in Old Navy that sit at the front of the store with the clothes on. And I see one of the mannequins slightly move just out of the corner of my eye. And I, I, it, 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 I see it, but it doesn't register. So, but I, I go and talk to them and come back and, and I look and there is in the middle of the mannequins a four-year-old boy that looks a lot like me <laughs> being as still as possible <laughs> with a grin ear to ear. I was so mad, so mad at him right then, but also it was really funny. And so, I guess here's the point that I want you to see. We give so much attention to the lost world that doesn't know Jesus and to how they push him out and neglect him and ignore him and our culture's worse for it, and our country's worse for it because of all the lost people that don't know Jesus, they don't have any respect for Jesus and for Christianity and for the Bible and for God. But I think the greater concern is not that lost people don't have respect for Jesus, but it's that saved people don't either. In fact, to be honest with you, I'm not here. My concern is not to yak and complain about lost people dying and going to hell, ruining this world. That's not what you hired me to do. That's not what my calling is to do. My calling is to the church and to, and to talk about and to be concerned about the fact that there are saved people who are bought by the very blood of Jesus Christ that aren't anywhere near him in their relationship with him. They've been saved by the grace, but they're taking advantage of the grace and moving far and far away from him. It was the closest people to him that lost him. And I'm gonna tell you this this morning. That it can be the same today for us. That it doesn't matter how saved you are and how close you are and what your title is, whether you're pastor or deacon or staff member or Sunday school teacher or volunteer. You've been a member here for 60 years or you have all these stories and all these journeys and you've been on all these mission trips and you've done all these things. None of that matters. You can still lose closeness and fellowship with Jesus. It can happen to any of us. It can happen to the best of us. I want you to notice where they lost him. The closest people to him lost him, but notice where they lost him in verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. 
So Mary and Joseph were faithful people. Likely they had done this every year. Being Jews that didn't live close to Jerusalem, they made a journey in every year. The Passover was celebrate the Passover, do their sacrifices, and worship there at the temple. They went up according. They were faithful. And when the feast had ended, they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. They were at the most holiest of places. The temple, which Jesus calls later his father's house. They lost Jesus at the most holy place, the most holy city in the house of his father. They were at the right place, right time, doing the right things. And they show us this, that you can be at the right place, the right time, doing the right things and still lose Jesus. You can lose Jesus in the church that Jesus established. You can lose Jesus in the monotony of religion. You can be in church every week. You can tithe. You can worship. You can be one of those that puts your hands in the air. You can be one of those that wears the suit and tie like you ought to wear at church. You can have your Bible. You can have your stories. You can be so faithful that you go to Sunday school and worship and Wednesday night and volunteer and serve. You can be in all the right places and all the right things and all the right people and yet be far from Jesus. Don't these things matter? I mean, isn't it important that we go to church? Isn't it important that we come to Sunday school? Isn't it important that we tithe and give? Isn't it important that we we dress our best for the Lord? Isn't that important? Isn't it important that we sing the right songs? Isn't it important that we go to the right church? The church that's true, the church that gets it, the church that hasn't just turned everything over. Not if you're not close to Jesus. Not if you're not, your heart is not right with him. Because let me tell you something about our Lord. He doesn't care whether your church has a steeple or pews, whether you have a tie and coat on or whether you have shorts and flip-flops on. He doesn't care whether you gave two bucks or 200 bucks or 200,000 bucks. He doesn't care if you sang, if you sat silently, if you raised your hand, if your heart is not in it. He doesn't care how many mission trips you've been on. He doesn't care how much Bible you know. He doesn't care how much things you've done, how, what title you have, whether you're a deacon or you're a pastor. He doesn't care if your heart's not in it because he's not looking at all of these things. He's looking at the heart of the person doing all the things. Right time, right place, right things. Yet far from Jesus. Can we be honest this morning? I I think we've all been there. 
I would venture to say that in a room with this many people, some of you are there today. Have you ever felt a dryness in it all? A coldness? Have you ever been in that place where you feel like, man, there were better days. There were days where this was different. There were days that, that there was just more joy and there was more, more excitement. There were days that I, I wanted to do these things. And, and, and I was learning. Have you ever been in that lack of enthusiasm? Have you ever been in that place where you wake up on Sunday morning and you're like, Maybe I could skip. I know you've been here. You've, uh, you've made a commitment to, to spend time in the Word, but when you read the Word and you're looking at it, it's, it's, it's just not jumping off, off the page. You know, you're praying and you find your mind drifting. You're doing all the right things. But you've forgotten and you've drifted in the closeness of the relationship. Do you know where the most common place, and I say this as an expert, to lose your keys is? Your home. To be religious and to be right and yet lose your relationship. How did they lose him? Verse 44 says that it really wasn't that hard, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. And when they began to search for him, them among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they didn't find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple. One day. One day. It wasn't a season. It wasn't a journey. It wasn't, it wasn't they, they got around this crowd and they just pulled them and drifted them away. One day, one day. Now, they were his parents. You lose him for 10 minutes, a big deal. This is one day, one day. They lost him because they simply forgot. They simply drew their attention away. They got overshadowed by other things. They got comfortable in certain things. They took for granted certain things. And one day of taking it for granted, being preoccupied, being focused on other things, and they lose him. How do we lose Jesus? How have we lost him today? I want to give you a couple of ideas that we can do the same thing in a very short amount of time. One of those things that we can do as a church, but also as believers and consumers of Christianity and the Christian culture is that we can value entertainment and acceptance over truth. There's nothing wrong with entertainment and keeping up with the times. But the moment that you step across the line of compromising the truth of the gospel for the sake of acceptance, you've lost. To compromise what it says and who it is and who it explains and what we believe and what we know about the true gospel. 
And so you lose Jesus when you step even so slightly into heresy. See, another way we can lose Jesus and we see those that he deals with and encounters later in his ministry as doing this is that we can prefer tradition over his purpose and mission. Where it becomes about the way it was and the things that we do and the values of both things, the values put on that rather than who's being saved and how we're reaching lost people and what mission we're doing and how we're making an impact and a difference in the name of Jesus Christ. While the other is called heresy, this one is called Pharisee. It's a plague, it's a cancer in many Christians' lives and in many church lives. See, another way we can do it, we can push him out of certain areas and things in our lives where Jesus is not allowed in this particular category or part of our life. It's just not something that we consult with. Maybe it's a decision that we have to make, and we make this in our own mind, our own thoughts, and our own things. Maybe it's a relationship that we have. Maybe it's a, a job or a hobby. And you lose Jesus because you've, you've lessened his lordship of your life. Maybe it's because things have just gotten too busy and you just, just, there's so much time, there's so little time and there's so much to do and this is called neglect. We just don't have time. Maybe it's because there, there are some things that have just become more important to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's family, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's money, maybe it's success, maybe it's acceptance and friendship and so forth. And these things have become really, really important. They've become a big priority in your life and what's happened is that these things have become a bigger priority in your life your relationship with Jesus has, has taken a lesser role. You know what the Bible calls that? Idolatry. And we're in danger of that and so much more, of losing him. By putting other things, by changing some things of who he is and lessening some things and leaving him out of some things and getting too busy for him. And so Mary and Joseph, there that day, an embarrassing moment because all their families around there, they've lost the Son of God. They've, they've got one job, one thing, and this most precious thing they've ever been given. And now he's gone. And he's really gone because they've traveled a whole day away. So what do they do? When they realized they lost him. Two things. One, they did something immediately. Mary and Joseph didn't say, and, ah, we've lost Jesus. Let's get the kids home. Let's keep going. And then we'll go back and get him. Or, Joseph, you go back to Jerusalem. I'll wait here. Or, what do you guys think we should do? No, it tells us that when they realized they had lost him, they went back. Verse 45, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. They did something immediately. They didn't wait. They didn't delay. They didn't say so much like we say in our own personal lives. The excuses that we make for not looking and searching for Jesus and getting back to him. Well, it's just a busy time in our life We've got teenage kids. 
and they have these crazy, hectic schedules. You don't understand my job. It's so consuming. It's so draining. It's so busy. We need to sell our house. And when we sell our house, then we'll get back on track. As soon as the season is over, as soon as we get this health thing fixed, get recovered from that, we'll get back to it. As soon as we close this deal, as soon as we get the car paid off, or as soon as football season is over, or whatever season it is that you find yourself in is over, we'll get back to it. And so many of us put it off, put it off until we can come to that perfect moment, that perfect time. We can really hone in and we can really focus and we can really give our all. But listen, let me tell you something. If you're waiting for the perfect sermon from me, you're not going to get it because I don't preach perfect sermons, so sorry. If you're waiting for the perfect time, are you kidding me? Look around you. There is no time. Like, we don't have time. It's not going to slow down. The world's not going to say, hey, time out, pause. I tell you what, for the next year, we're all going to take a vacation. No. We do. We need to get out of here. It's never going to be any different in that regard. These excuses are not things that should keep us from Jesus. They are things that we should bring to Jesus and lay at the feet of Jesus while we seek his face. Now is the best time to get back. Not next week, not next month, not next season, not next year, not until this problem goes away. Now is the best time. Some of you today have drifted in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to be very clear what I believe the Lord is calling you to and what I'm encouraging you to is that today, this morning, You start. You do it immediately. And say, Lord, I'm coming back. I want close. I want you. I did something immediately. They also did something consistently. It tells us here that they looked for three days. They didn't just go back and find him immediately. They looked for three days. And can you imagine... The, the three-day journey to find their child. I mean, some of us have been in situations where it was maybe like three, five minutes, but here's three days. And can you imagine the day, how exhausting those days were, how long those days were? Probably went back to where they thought they'd left him, searched around, talked to other people, began to put alerts out and so forth and so on. Went to this place, went to that place. How exhausted they were at the end of the day not having found him. Did they sleep? Or did they keep looking through the night? Whatever the case is, the next day they get up and they continue the journey. They go deeper and more in depth and talk to other people and, and go to this place and that place. Look in these certain areas all day long and still nothing. And the third day, how defeated, how frustrated, how scared and how dry. I know what it was they thought. Maybe it was, maybe they were going to the temple to just ask the Lord to help them. Maybe they were, maybe they were like, let's just, let's just try in places we've already looked. I would imagine they'd already been to the temple. But they go back and 
Finally, there he is. What we see in Mary and Joseph with this is that there was a consistency to it. I want you to understand the journey close to Jesus is a journey that requires and demands the discipline of consistency. You can't just get it on one day, once a month. You can't just get it in just knowing a few verses and having a few prayers here and there. It's a daily walk. It's a daily encounter. It's a daily situation. As you go through the scenarios and situations of life and the things that encompass your day, you bring those to Jesus and you walk with Jesus through those. It's a daily discipline of of feasting from the Word of God and putting that daily in your life. It's it's taking the time each day to ask the Lord for guidance and and to praise Him and worship Him and talk to Him. It's not just a Sunday thing. In fact, I would say this, if the only time that you really think about Jesus and read the Bible and pray and sing to Him is on Sunday morning, then it means nothing when you do it. Consistency. What do they do when they realize they lost him? They did something immediately, they did some consistently. And and I want you to notice this last thing. Where did they find him? It tells us here that um, in verse 46, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. They found him in the place they left him. When you lose something, what is the first thing you think or the first thing someone asks you in helping you find it? Where did you put it last? That is the dumbest question. Because if I knew the answer to the question, I wouldn't have lost it. I would have have it in my hands right now if I knew the place where I left it last. (sighs) But isn't it true that when we lose something, it's where we left it? Here's the beautiful thing about this whole thing. When you lose Jesus, I want you to understand this, he's not lost you. When you drift from Jesus, he's not drifted from you. He is right there. And he's right where you left him. So if you're in that place, like I've been so often in my life, of I need to get back, I, I, need, I, I want the freshness, I want the peace, I want the joy, I want the excitement, I want the enthusiasm, I want the power, I, I want the presence in my life. Well, then listen to the words of Jesus himself in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. To go back, what was it? What were you doing then? What, were, what was happening in your life? What was, the, what was the rhythm and the routine? What were the thoughts? What was the attitude? Begin to regenerate that and go back to that moment and those things where, where you were closest to him. Jesus, the Lord also says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, here's the promise. When you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. 
I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you. Love that. Not only for those of us who have drifted can we get back, but we can go further and deeper. He's not left you. If you know him, you are his. And all you have to do is what you did at the very beginning. Turn. And start going. So would you make that commitment today? Would today be your now to get back? Because you've not been lost. When he finds, he doesn't lose.